podcast from Glasgow International, bringing together artists and curators in creative conversation. Find us at glasgowinternational.org. My name is Sakai Machachi. Go on then, Awar, who are you? <laughs> and my name's Awar Onyango. You came to Kenya in 2018 and I came to Glasgow in 2018. Because I remember our first meeting and I was like, I knew you were short. <laughs> in part two of their conversation, Awar Onyango and Sakai Machachi explore the legacy of African diaspora in Scotland and Kenya and the perspectives gained from their respective journeys to Glasgow and Nairobi. How did you know I was short? <laughs> you feel short. <laughs> but also, I'm like very sensitive. <laughs> I think because like I'm short, like I'm 5'10 and three quarters. And my family is either like 5'5 five five or above six feet tall. And I'm in the middle. Mm -hmm. So the tall people are like, you're not tall. And the short people are like, you're not short. <laughs> so I, I'm very sensitive. Like, I can see people's heights <laughs> and their auras. I'm like, yeah, you're short. That's why, yeah. No one knows how short I am <laughs> until they see me, like, until they meet me. And they're like, oh, right. <laughs> they're always really disappointed. <laughs> like, <laughs> who's this like majestic creature we see in these images you're 4 foot 11 but people also thought I was Japanese <laughs> when I showed up at Kuana they were both completely confused by how short I was and how not <laughs> Japanese I was because <laughs> my name is Sakai and it means the world in Japanese and if you see it written down it just is Japanese oh yeah there's this like ongoing thing about like um eastern languages especially because machache in Kiswahili it means something but also like there's this ongoing sort of heckle in Kenya every time we have like a rugby match versus like the Japanese where all their last names sound Swahili. So it's like Akishuta Tahara and like those are like Swahili words and then it's like a Japanese person. So it's very interesting that that happened to you where they were like, yeah, this is a Swahili word, but like it's probably a Japanese woman coming here. And then it was you. <laughs> I was like, did no one look me up online? Did like, no one check on Instagram to see like, who the first person was coming? But yeah, that was really funny. It was really funny. And I, also, I, I loved being at Corner because it was just like, oh, I don't have to do photography. I could just do something else. Yeah. Like, you know, so I felt like li a bit liberated from having to do my usual thing. So I did like lots of drawings. We just we just walked around, didn't we? Like a lot. Yeah, we did, and you hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute. <laughs> it's just round the corner, and then you know, fifteen minutes later, you'd be like, "What corner? We've passed like seven corners by now." Um, Absolute lies. It was just around the corner, so guy. I stick by that. <laughs> My favorite thing was like our meals, like and just like the bad service just makes me so happy yes <laughs> oh my god oh my yeah because we, we don't do we don't do customer service because <laughs> like, i realize like even when i travel i always seek out like ethiopian food or like nigerian food because i just need that like human because there's something like too perfect and like machinery-ish about like good customer service mm -hmm. like i need that human hey i asked for this two hours ago is it coming and them just being like what was it again why are you asking me 
but it's also it's because you can sit there for a while like they can legitimately forget you're there and you could just like go on with your life and if you don't ask for your food again or you know go like hey i would like a drink they're just like <laughs> you could you could live here without paying rent like you could just stay at the table forever and they would not bother you because they're like no you came to us so yeah you come to us when you're ready for food <laughs> but yeah no, i remember that like we would just sit and like we would just talk about like about star signs and your love life <laughs> <laughs> it was star signs and love lives red soil i remember you kept being like Oh, this red yeah. soil, how can you get it to me? And I was just like, how do I sneak soil like through customs? I still don't have any. I still don't have any. I am so sorry. So that's actually something for next time you can come here. Yeah? Yeah, we're going to figure out how to do it. Because I realized what I want to do with it now. It's it's clay, obviously. So sculpting with it would be the thing. But I actually want to make pigment out of it. I want to make pigment for painting. Yeah, but it, it is like such a nice and interesting color as well yeah so the red earth maybe to just give people a bit more context the red earth is like you get it in most of east africa and you get it in zimbabwe as well so parts of southern africa as well how is it red again it's got lots of oxides and it's just gorgeous mm. and it reminds me of home and like as soon as i touched down in kenya i was basically like practically like in the ground I was so happy. <laughs> and I kept going on about it. I was like, it's so good. It's amazing. The other thing that I really enjoyed is that you looked very Kenyan and then you would like bend down and touch the soil or you would talk to someone in your Scottish accent and they'd be like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> and I'd just be like, she's from here, but she's not, you know, like. I was so excited to be there. <laughs> <laughs> everyone kept on just talking to me in Swahili because they thought that I was from Kenya and I was like oh this is so nice <laughs> but I have no idea what you're saying <laughs> I was like uh-huh yeah <laughs> and also because like so many um, like Swahili words are similar to Shona because it's also Bantu like home from home I really want to go back so badly I mean, I've been trying to complain for you to come back because, I mean, I mean, Glasgow is like cold and rainy for me. And you're like, it's tap off weather. And I was like, for who? tap off weather. Oh, my God. Because you, you came in like September. So it wasn't terrible yet. It, like it was... It was livable for us. You kept saying that. I was trying to put all my clothes on at the same time and carry three umbrellas. It was like such a warm reception by like you guys from Unafro and Alberta. Like everyone was very kind and willing. And I was quite shook because usually I just work with like one or two models, which is what I thought would happen. And everyone was like, yeah, we're free. I'm, I'm free on this day and I'm free on this day. And it was overwhelming to have so many people just come in, share the stories with me to have you there to ground me because like a lot was happening that was like, what, what is happening? 
It was intense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so. Yeah. <laughs> you you were getting like a crash course of uh, what it's like to live in Scotland as a black woman. Like it was just intense. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when we were in the bar and I was like, "Hey, I learned Celtic dance." in school in Kenya as a child and you're like what is Celtic dance and I showed you and it was what people were dancing to <laughs> it was just like yo colonization is such an interesting project that like yeah I was born I don't even know how many years after like more than 20 years after independence and I was like learning you know how to line dance with a kilt as a child and that was just Kenyan education for you yeah, it was well because I was like, right, so they had you wearing kilts and everything. Like, we don't even, mm-hmm. when we do Kaylee dancing in school, we don't even have to, like, wear anything special. Like, we just get taught it in our gym clothes. And I was, like, explaining to you that, yeah, like, at school, like, we learn this, but we live here, so it makes sense. Why were you being taught this? And why were you being made to wear kilts? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> And then you kind of realise like how how involved Scotland has been in all of this stuff and in our kind of um, Black History Month stuff. Remember, like we went to the Black History Month opening. Oh, I tell that story like every October. Like that was so intense. And I see like a lot of like BAME stuff. I made friends like in Oxford and London and stuff, a bunch of academics. Mm-hmm. And I see them like try and talk about like, you know, critical race theory and what's happening. And every time I'm just like, did I tell you about the time I was in Scotland during Black History Month? <laughs> and like, <laughs> there were so many moments of that. Because I remember um, um, Basola took me like on a walk through Glasgow and. Mm-hmm would just sort of like talk to me about like slavery and like the different people who are up and like the very different ideas of like what they've done. There was a statue that we stopped by for a while. It was like one of those people who like came to Africa and discovered stuff. And the, the way the plaque had like described his discoveries was so I was like, oh, this is this is a completely new story, isn't it? Like, this is quite different. This is interesting to see. Um, there was, like, this particular plaque, because it was, like, four sides. There was this particular plaque where it was, like, this black people who were, like, looking up at him, just being like, thank you so much for this. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is literally every day like this, our... <laughs> But um, no, I think, okay, so at the Black History Month thing, we were just sort of there and we were, it's hard to explain what happened because it's like nothing happened. It's just us existing in a space that's supposed to be like celebratory, like, you know, black people. For for us. us. And it's just like us two and like no other black people in the room. And like, the person that we were meeting who was actually like involved in some projects at that event was late. So when she arrived, that was when the third black person <laughs> was there. And it was like, just as it was ending. <laughs> and so we came out to meet her and on the front cover of like the, the, um, 
the publication that year. The newsletter, yeah, I still have it. Yeah, it was like um, sort of like uh, Asian suffra- suffragettes, and then I had to explain like the whole like what blackness means in Scotland or in the UK and how it's this like amalgamation of all the different people of color yeah but it's no longer that and there's been a kind of like moving away from that type of like representation and how some people in other like the older generation still kind of live by that or go by that kind of definition of black and so it was just this, this awkward thing of like this is black history month we have in our consciousness black history month in america which is in february and has completely is about black people completely about how black americans and black people yeah but like in the uk it's a bit different i mean trying to explain it in scotland with such a small population of black people i was just like how do i explain what happened nothing happened it was just us feeling (laughs) the discomfort or the (laughs) whatever it is of being like okay this is this maybe is not that weird for me because i've experienced it many times but showing it to you (laughs) for me it was like a crash course in political blackness because i very much was like oh great so so when are the black people coming and it was just like um this is it this is this is what it is it's me and you i don't know why like what other black people (laughs) who were you expecting <laughs> like, oh, it was so funny. And then we were, I remember the one, the other thing that was really funny about it as well was just like we were really hungry. <laughs> and you were just like events in general in in the UK and like how they differ from in Kenya, where like there's always foods. And I was just like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but we just don't always serve food. Yeah. <laughs> at things or like <laughs> just, just expect to be at a place at a time already fed. That was diabolical, Sakai. I still think that's the most diabolical thing I've ever gone through. It was just like, are we eating? What are we doing? We're standing here and looking at each other. Okay. And also the kind of like the grandeur of the building and all the interiors of the spaces and how yeah. steeped in colonial yeah. like imagery. That's the thing, because it means like such a different thing. <laughs> I felt like Lord Delamere or someone would like show up on horseback and shoot me. <laughs> because that's what like all the buildings in Nairobi that are super colonial. It's like, oh, this is like that's the balcony they sat at and shot at the natives. You know, so like that's what I assign like that grandeur to, like that violence. Yeah. So it was just so there was so many levels of it that I was like, oh, okay, are we safe here? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, this is this is where black history is happening. And you're like, yeah. And I was just like, let's let's go, Sakai. <laughs> Could we go eat now? <laughs> no, it was it, it, I think it's just that thing of for me, I'm so used to these things that I don't even like I'd almost don't even bat an eyelid. But then when I was showing you it was like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Okay, yeah. No, no, okay. It's almost like just hit me properly, like how inappropriate everything is. <laughs> Totes and appropes. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that, like, at some point, I, I was imagining that we would 
have had an opportunity to do more of that. Like, do you know what I mean? Just more of like showing you the ropes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, among the shenanigans would have been more <laughs> of like, okay, do you want to go see some more weird colonial shit? Um, like, for example, like the, the exhibition I'm doing is like at the Heritage Centre. And so like, I'm like actually putting my work inside a space that is celebrating this, like this exhibition of empire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you would I think you would have loved it I think you would have loved it <laughs> like you would have been like what yeah it's like this huge massive like <laughs> celebration of Glasgow the second city of empire and um so that's where my work is going to be for this other GI show oh, man. so I'm so gutted you can't be here to see that it. is super interesting <laughs> it is our shenanigans would have been top tier top tier <laughs> But yeah, I think there's also that of like just like the the realization of how deep and active like the colonial ghosts still are. That was like a fresh thing for me in Glasgow. But it was also just like really nice to talk to people about like their experiences of Glasgow as black women and to like create this portrait along with them. I found that like to be such like a nourishing and grounding thing. And everyone was like very like accommodating, you know, to all of my questions and all of my worries because half the time I was like, how is this real? And everyone would just be like, yeah, well, you know, we're still kind of trying to figure out how to like deal with the whole Glasgow and slavery thing I'm gonna write a book about this someday I guess or like make a film like it was so rich (laughs) in all the new ways that I was like Mm. how how is this even a discussion at this point like in people's lives kind of hard to explain I feel like the East African slave trade in particular is not something that's like spoken about or historicized in in perfect ways and so i'd been to accra because i was like oh you guys have kind of figured out how to deal with the fact like the architecture of like accra as a city is very much based on it as a slave port but even there i don't know why because like when you talk about these things you never think of you never think like oh it was like Scottish people who moved to America, like it was Irish people who moved to America. It was, you know, like Europeans basically who were carrying out this slave trade. How, how is everyone like, how is this like not a thing? How is this not more embedded in like the histories of Glasgow? How are you dealing with that? Because a lot of it and a lot of like the empire is quite loud like quite loud in glasgow which of course it would be because who was the empire right it's screaming it's screaming at the top of its it's screaming at the top of its lungs all the time but somehow there's amnesia so like when we were in school we wouldn't get taught about like how so basically when you're growing up in scotland you do get taught about like the architecture specifically right like everyone's always going on about it yeah they're always like the architecture the architecture I remember that being said so much like not even like with anything after it people would just say the words 
the architecture, right, about Glasgow. Yeah. And then we would, like, go and see the architecture, and it was all this grand colonial architecture, but nobody would ever talk to us about how it got there, where they got the money, how it was possible that Glasgow goes from being, like, literally nothing to this huge, massive, Mm. you know, city of empire in, like, a really short period of time, and, like, nobody actually discusses how the Industrial Revolution came to be, what the Enlightenment period was actually, like, predicated upon. Like, they just talk about it as, like, really smart men who were really ambitious and just wanted to do great things, right? And were abolitionists. <laughs> so they were so they were good people who didn't want this slavery thing and slavery was terrible. And that they never talk about how it's them. <laughs> it's like this weird thing yeah. of like distancing themselves from the reality of like what it is. And so even like <clears throat> as I am making this exhibition at the Heritage Centre House Fart Lovers, I'm actually being, in, I'm engaging directly with that like weird obsession with being part of this empire and this celebration of these like men of industry and the, the tobacco lords and the da da da. All these men who are considered to be geniuses basically. Mm. But there's no information inside there about slavery, about colonialism, about any of the places where all of the things, the riches and the wealth were being extracted from. But they have pavilions for each and every one of the countries. Like there's a bit that literally says on the wall, like uh, South Rhodesia Pavilion, because they had this exhibition and they had pavilions for each and every country that they had. Rhodesia? South Rhodesia. Is that in 2021 or in the past? So the exhibition, the Empire exhibition happened in 1938. Oh, okay. I'm making work inside that space. Yeah. I'm actually engaging with the space. I don't know. It's hard to figure out what like my duty is as an, a black artist in this country, but like it's mm-hmm. very strange to walk into these spaces and know that nobody's really not nobody, but people aren't really interrogating what is actually there in front of us. Like what is, what is still being kept static. It's like constantly being retold and repackaged or, or held static and celebrated whilst people want to pretend it never happened. It's just, yeah. Cause the silence is around like the repackaging is quite loud. Yeah. So I'm just very, I'm, I'm still, trying to come to terms with or trying to manage what that violence is because that violence is consistent and it's it's actually like very calculated if you think about it but then everyone wants to pretend that there's no there isn't a calculated attempt to do this 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 or this but then it's all very clear yeah that it is so is yeah so that's what I've been kind of ta- tackling okay that's what I've been trying to tackle over the last like year or so, like how to engage this stuff and mm. not lose my mind. <laughs> like, you know, you got a little taste of it. And I think I'm really hoping that at some point you can come back and we can talk about it more from that perspective. Cause I know that the exhibition that we are doing, we've been quite lucky to be able to make something 
that doesn't just engage with that those traumas this work that I'm doing this for this project feels like it's labor like it feels so much more like it's labor because it's not just like about my own healing process as an artist as a black woman etc but it's also about their healing and 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 when I say they I mean literally the whole fucking country (laughs) like yeah (laughs) and that's quite like this labor is burdensome to have to like engage this stuff and to like shoulder yeah to shoulder the burden of this history even though I'm not doing it on my own like all of us are doing this like all of the black artists in Scotland are doing something something of this in their practice in even if they don't want to <laughs> like so yeah yeah because I, I think like the interesting thing about like body of land maps go either way right and for a lot of I would say the western canon maps are geographical and this is empire and this is outside of empire and this is you know empire encroaching on the other but for us maps are spiritual maps are ancestral maps are internal there's ways in which we connect like even like when you're saying with the red soil the red soil itself is a map, you know, of, I think in Kenya, it's considered mostly like Bantu land has red soil because us nilots are like black cotton soil, but there's those like demarcations that are so, is the word even ethereal? And I think that's, that's like the work that like you and I have in common that like we're trying to find physical forms for these things that we've lost the words for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one big thing about growing up in the West and not having my mother tongue. Yeah. Like that it's been harder to like do that decolonial practice because I don't have, I know that in my language, this isn't a thing. I know in my culture, this isn't a thing, but then in my culture, if I was back home in Zim, the, this feminine aspect would be so much more drilled in. Yeah, it would be richer. Yeah. It would because of the way that we've been colonized. So in some ways li- living here and being able to like you know be like openly, you know, queer and openly like you know, I can have a little bit more access, I think, to the language that I need to be able to say this thing than if I was at home where where it wasn't it wasn't even part of our culture to begin with so I think the the way that colonialism is affecting both of us is so interesting like it's like what is that yeah that kind of that space between living in on the African continent having a relationship to your language having a relationship to your culture that's much much more rich but also at the same time having to live under this even stronger colonial system colonial grip yeah right yeah bizarre (laughs) i do think it, it was and i think that's one of the things that we used to talk about quite a lot where like you know you'd be like you kind of feel like a, a diaspora kid, which you are like in, I think like nine out of 10 of the ways in which it's possible. You are a diaspora kid. 
And for me, I was like, I've been here, but, but like so removed from my, like my culture is right there, but everything that is like good is removed from it. So I also have to like read books to find out about my own people who are right there, but like one are ashamed of who they are because of like the strong colonial grip and like cultural imperialism as well as, you know, other imperialisms that happened. And also because like colonization, like turned us into things for export. So we were supposed to be like West facing and trying to look back and trying to like reach into who you are in ways that like the British did not approve of is violent. Like a lot of, things were wiped away. A lot of traditions were made taboo. A lot of things were banned. And asking people about those things is usually, you know, painful for them to even like recall or want to look into it. So we're almost in the same position, but like in different geographies. I'm really sad that we're inside of this, you know, pandemonium to, to this day and it doesn't seem to be like seeing any sight of an end but I just hope that like at some point we can be in the same space at the same time like that would be really nice it would it really would whether it's like Nairobi or Glasgow or somewhere somewhere else somewhere warm somewhere warm you know I said LA sounds warm Mm-hmm. Or or Lamu, you know, no Lamu is too hot. Can't do it somewhere not as cold as Nairobi in June. As you can see, it's quite cold. So whole twenty degrees Sakai, we're freezing. Freezing, yeah. Our on Yango and Sakai Machachi. Street level photo works are presenting body of land as part of the Across the City program for Glasgow International. Find out more about that and Sakai's exhibition, These Stories, at glasgowinternational.org. Encounters was produced by Lindsay Moyes for Glasgow International, supported by the Scottish Government's Expo Fund and Arts Fund. Thank you for listening.